0: Welcome to Cornerstone, a podcast by Rebuild Fellowship. On today's episode, Pastor KJ continues his message, which is entitled, Characteristics of a Praying and Obeying Church. This message built on our Bear Witness series and continues in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter six right now as we join in with Pastor
1: KJ. All right, our fourth characteristic. There's centering of the Word of God. The Word of God is used for preaching, teaching, and evangelism in all of these sections. It comes up over and over again. Listen to several of these verses. Chapter 6, verse 2 and 4. It is not right, this is the, these are the apostles saying, it is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Then verse 7. And the Word of God continued to increase, And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. We'll we'll address that a little later. When we jump down to chapter 8, verse 4, it says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. The progress of the word of God is referenced throughout the book of Acts, not just here in in verse 7, or chapter 6 and chapter 8, but also in 12, 24, 13, 49, 19, 20, we see that that the Word of God keeps progressing as, as, um, as the disciples are scattered and engaged in mission. And together with the Holy Spirit, um, the church uh, engages in this mission and understanding and teaching of God's kingdom. The Word of God is central to all of this. All right, our fifth characteristic, salvation. A church that is praying and obeying sees salvation. Salvation of different people. Uh, We just read it in uh, verse 7 of chapter 6. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. In in addition to the numbers that were being added from among the people, we also saw priests. This is both, both remarkable and tragic. That the religious leaders were some of the people who were being saved. But the good news of God's kingdom is for everyone. It's for the older brother and the prodigal son. It's for the church. And the unchurched. So we saw priests getting saved. We later find out that Paul gets saved. Saul, who becomes Paul, gets saved. Later in Acts, in chapter 2, verse 20, Paul is standing before the, the Roman tribunal and the Jewish crowd, and he's recounting the story of his conversion. And while he's talking about his conversion, he references being part of the execution of Stephen. Now, we don't know for sure if Stephen's witness was instrumental in Paul's conversion, but it's also not unreasonable to think that God used it to soften Paul's heart toward him. And it's interesting that Paul brings it up when describing his testimony. So we see salvation comes to different people and in different places. We have talked a little bit about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. In verse seven of chapter six, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Then in verse one of chapter eight, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And then again, in verse five of chapter eight, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Later, after this section, at the end of chapter eight, verses 26 through 40, we pick up the story of Philip again. And Philip is transported by the Holy Spirit. Uh, He meets an Ethiopian, uh, which is from the ancient Nubian kingdom, and on his way through Gaza and Egypt. And he ends up getting saved. Philip baptizes him there on the road. And we see this picture of the gospel going forward to the ends of the earth. We referenced it already in Acts 1.8. Jesus said his disciples would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Because the good news of the gospel is for all people, everywhere. And God's plan for people to hear and experience his kingdom would be through his people, his kingdom ambassadors. So different people, different places, and from different backgrounds. We tend to think of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, simply as geography. Well, I want to, to say that I think we also ought to recognize that it represents different ethnicities and cultures. And that's part of God's plan from the beginning is that the gospel would advance, the news of God's kingdom would advance to all people from all backgrounds and all ethnicities. We see this picture in Revelation of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around the throne of Jesus. It's something that that is a high value here at Rebuild Fellowship, that we would be a multi-ethnic church that reflects God's kingdom accurately. Um, the, The representation from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria represents the breadth and diversity of God's kingdom, which transcends ethnicity, culture, gender, education, economics, and class. All right, our sixth characteristic. There's leading by the Spirit. Paul says more about this in Galatians and other letters, but our lives as disciples should include the active presence and leading of the Holy Spirit and produce fruit from his presence. And we see this, we see these examples here. We see it in personal piety. Chapter six, verses three and verses five. Pick out, this is the apostle saying to the people, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. And then verse 5, they say this about Stephen. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. This is how he was recognized. This is what people thought of him. It should also show up in proclamation. We need the Spirit for proclamation. Chapter 6, verse 10. But they could not withstand, this is the crowd that was accusing Stephen. They could not withstand the wisdom and the Spirit with which he was speaking. The Spirit of God was speaking through Stephen. We need his spirit for persecution. Chapter seven, verses 55 through 57. Again, this is talking about Stephen after they have stoned him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Again, verse 55 started, he was full of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit um, for power. Verse eight of chapter six, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Anytime scripture references power in Acts, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. We see this again in chapter eight, Uh, referring to to Philip in verses six and seven. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Seventh characteristic, there's alignment with Jesus' suffering. We We can expect to be treated like Jesus. In chapter six, verses 11 through 13, this is the the um, Jews who were bringing charges against Stephen it says then they secretly instigated men who said we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council and they set up false witnesses. In John fifteen twenty, Jesus told his followers since they persecuted him we should expect the same we see that these are the same things that they did to Jesus. So in addition to be treated like Jesus, we should also react like Jesus. In chapter 7, 59 and 60, this is Stephen. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Jesus prayed these same prayers in Luke 23, 34, and 46 as he was hanging on the cross. Paul tells us in Romans 8, 11 that it is the same power in us that was in Jesus. So it would make sense that we would react like Jesus if we have aligned ourselves with him and are filled with the same spirit that was in him. All right, our eighth characteristics. characteristic. Experience of the glory of God. Chapter 6, verse 15, there's a visible, um, the people are able to see the glory of God. It's visible. Verse 15, And gazing at him all who sat in the council, saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is a reference to, to Moses on Mount Sinai and Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, where the glory of God was visible on their faces. There should be times, rebuild family, when the glory of God is visible on us. We should also experience the glory of God in vision. Verse 55, Stephen, as he's being stoned says, but he full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. In addition to it being visible on our face and, and having encounters with the glory of God, there should be times when God's glory is revealed to us in visions or in worship. Our ninth characteristic, understanding of the story of God. We need to be able to discern what is false and then be able to describe what is true. Pretty much the whole section from chapter six, verse eight through the end of chapter seven in verse 53, this is what Stephen is doing. He is identifying the false lies that they are putting out against him and then he is describing what's true. Listen to verse 11, 13, and 14 from chapter 6. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. Stephen recognized that they didn't understand God's story. And so he broke it down for them. He addressed how they misunderstood the role of the temple and assumed it would always be the meeting place between God and men. Then he also addressed the additional man-made laws that the religious leaders had added to Moses and the word of God, and how all of those things led to them misunderstanding Jesus, resist the Holy Spirit, and ultimately kill Jesus. We need to be able, we need to make sure that we understand the story of God well enough so that we can discern what is false and be able to describe what is true. All right, our 10th characteristic. We should practice, there should be the practice of forgiveness. We see the radical forgiveness of Stephen in its scope and speed in in chapter 7, verse 60. And falling to his knees, this is is as he is being stoned, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold that sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep, which is the way the early church talked about dying because they were anticipating the resurrection, which is a beautiful phrase. So after being stoned and on his deathbed, Stephen asks God to forgive his murderers. Forgiveness flows from hearts that understand the depths by which we ourselves have been forgiven and who we are apart from Jesus. Number 11, transformative witness communities should be changed because of the witness that we give. Jumping into chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, describing Philip, He went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Verse 8, So there was much joy in that city. Joy replaced demon possession, paralysis and infirmities, all of which must have created an atmosphere of hopelessness. The text says that the crowds paid attention when they heard and saw. Again, a reminder that our witness should be both proclamation and demonstration. This kind of witness leads to transformation and to joy. Finally, Number 12, persecution that catalyzes mission. So, this is one of my favorite verses all the way back in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. Joseph declares to his brothers that what they intended for evil, God intended for good. Listen to chapter 8 verses 1 and 4. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered. Verse four, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Last week we looked at Jeremiah 29 as a picture of how God's plans are always bigger than we can see and how our stories are are part of a much bigger story that God is writing. The story of Stephen and the early church illustrates that point. God is working everything together for our good and the good of the world. The stoning of Stephen and persecution of the early church could have shut everything down and caused everyone to scatter and abandon their faith, but it didn't. Instead, it was used as a catalyst for the good news of the kingdom of God to spread all over the world. All right, let's take a deep breath. We've covered a lot of ground today and looked at how God's story is unfolding through the power of His Spirit at work in His people as we bear witness to his kingdom. Hang on one second. I outlined 12 characteristics of a praying and obeying church. Let me repeat them quickly. Healthy conflict, humble leadership, mission that includes justice and evangelism, centering the word of God, salvation, leading of the spirit, alignment with Jesus suffering, experience of the glory of God, Understanding of the story of God, practice of forgiveness, transformative witness, persecution that catalyzes mission. My prayer and longing, Rebuild Family, is that we would be this kind of church. Our decision for Liz and I and our girls to come here and join Rebuild Fellowship was because I already knew these qualities are present in Pastor Chuck and Lady Reed. They're present in them personally. And they're also the same things that they have been establishing and growing here for the last three and a half years. And we can see it. We've been here now almost six months and we can see evidence of these things and it's encouraging. And I want to urge you this morning to decide or redecide to live this kind of radical, transformative, Jesus-centered, Spirit-empowered, God-glorifying Christian life. If you're not sure how to respond to this message and and call to radical obedience, let me give you a few options. First, if you're not a disciple of Jesus and want to be added to the number of people who are being saved, just like the people in Acts, then please tell someone so we can welcome you into the family and rejoice with you and walk with you. You can do that by telling someone who invited you to be part of the service or by texting decision to 833 473 7373 let me say that again you can respond by texting the word decision to 833-473-7373 we're not trying to embarrass you we just want to celebrate with you and we want to walk with you and welcome you into the family if you are already a disciple of jesus but want to take the next step of obedience by getting more involved with your rebuild family I would encourage you to start with joining us for our morning glory prayer calls every Monday, Wednesday and Friday morning at 6 a.m. Now that may sound like a big step to you, but I wanna encourage you that this is a great way to grow in prayer and in communion with brothers and sisters and be immersed in God's word and led by his spirit. There's a lot of teaching and culture setting that takes place on these mornings. So if you wanna feel more a part of the family, then you should prioritize being with the family. Which is why I would also recommend being part of our um, men's and women's Bible studies on Monday and Wednesday nights from 7.30 to 9. Those are uh, currently taking place uh, on Zoom. Now all of this information can be found on our website or social media or our newsletter emails. And if you're not receiving any of those things and want to, if you want to start receiving emails to find out some of the specifics of how you can be a part of our morning glory prayer calls or our men's and women's Bible studies, <clears throat> excuse me, then I want to ask you to email, text email to 833-473-7373. Again, if you want to start getting information and you're not currently, then please uh, text the word email to 833 473 7373. So as we close here, Rebuild Family, let's strive to be a praying and obeying church that bears witness through proclamation and demonstration to God's coming kingdom so that there will be radical transformation and joy in our homes and neighborhoods and schools and workplaces. And that's where we'll stop and pause
0: for today. Thank you for taking your time with us today. If you would like to learn more about our church or have us pray for you in any way, you can find us at www.rebuildchurch.com. That is www.rebuildchurch.com. Our church meets in Durham, North Carolina, and if you're looking for a church to attend, we'd love to have you join us. We meet weekly at 10 a.m. on Sunday, and you can find more details about what to expect and where we are on our website. You can also find our full services on our YouTube channel. Please join us for our next episode as Pastor Chuck returns to begin a message from the book of Psalms.